This is the Emergency Medical Minute. Real, raw, relevant emergency medical education. Please enjoy the show. How many of you have been to a brewcast before, by the way? Okay, great. I see some hands. I see a lot of new listeners. So first of all, this is how we believe that medicine and medical education should be done. It should be done in a fun space. You should have a drink in your hand. You should be surrounded by friends. And then we should be ready to nerd out really hardcore on really interesting, interesting subjects. And marijuana is one of them. Okay? So um, marijuana. People have very strong opinions about marijuana. You've probably talked to a lot of friends. You guys living here in Colorado probably get a lot of questions from friends about what it's like to be in the first state where marijuana is basically a recreational drug, where people can go to a dispensary and to buy it, right? There's a lot of preconceived conceptions about marijuana. So let's just talk facts. Let's begin this with nothing but facts, okay? Fact that in the country right now, there is no faster growing business than marijuana and medical marijuana, right? Fact, here in Colorado, at the beginning of 2016, there are 424 medical dispensaries and recreational dispensaries. Let's put that into context. That's more, more than twice the amount of Starbucks and more than twice the amount of McDonald's in this state, right? Marijuana makes a lot of money for Colorado. For the last 11 months, the marijuana industry has brought in greater than $100,000 per month. And when you talk about something that, that gets taxed at around 25 to 30%, that's around 25 to 30 million a, a month in revenue for the state. Fact, in medicine, we have not made up our minds about marijuana. And in fact, we just don't know a lot about it. So when there's something that we don't know a lot about, a great place to begin is with our history and with the history of marijuana and why this is such a controversial medication, drug, plant, right? So how long have we been using marijuana for, by the way? Any ideas? Forever. Forever is a great, forever is a great quote, right? So, so it's in the Bible. It's used by the ancient Egyptians. The first usage of marijuana is actually all the way back to the ancient Chinese, where it's around 2,900 BC. So we have around almost 5,000 years of using this plant as a medicine, okay? Now, who cares about all that foreign stuff? We, call, we care about America, right? America is where it's at. So, and plus, I've got 15 minutes. I can't cover that whole history. So we're just going to start right here in the good old U.S. of A. And, America, and marijuana here, which wasn't called marijuana, cannabis or hemp, has been here since Jamestown. Since Jamestown, it was one of our biggest cash crops. Who grew marijuana? At Mount Vernon, George Washington grew marijuana, right? At Monticello, Jefferson grew marijuana. If you walked around their gardens, you'd see pretty big hemp plants, mostly grown for rope, but George Washington was very interested in the medical applications of this potential plant or drug. In the United States, kind of in the wild days of medicine, where you had basically a growing pharma 
pharmacopoeia of medicines. Marijuana is one of the earlier drugs that we've used. Marijuana was used pretty widely. Tincture of, of, tincture of um, cannabis or tincture of hemp was used to treat all types of things from colic to menstrual cramps to typhus to tetanus. Wow, what a miracle drug, right? You got tetanus, give them some marijuana to pain, right? But this is one of our go-to drugs, along with cocaine, along with alcohol. Whiskey was actually a drug that we use commonly, and along with opium. So in the early days of medicine, where we didn't have all these synthetic things, we used to use a lot of different pharmacologic agents that right now we'd classify as narcotics. And we use them for a variety of different, different things. 1942, marijuana disappeared from the books. Marijuana was no longer listed as a medication that doctors should prescribe or could prescribe. How did that happen? That's a really, really interesting story. First, who's the guy on the bottom left? That's Pancho Villa, right? Villa, right? So there's a few forces that kind of happened that brought us to where marijuana was illegal. Really fascinating history. First of all, the Civil War, right? Civil War was one of the lowest points in American history. Really violent, very traumatic event. Afterwards, we saw this big rise in not only morphine use, but in basically alcohol use and a lot of illicit drugs. And from that kind of overusage came the prohibition movement, where Americans wanted to get pure, to get everything that was an intoxicant out of American life. Uh, so that culminated with alcohol. It also culminated in us kind of restricting the use of opioids. And finally, it started with marijuana. So marijuana, there's three people that I want to talk with you about. The most important is a guy in the middle. And how many of you know who Harry Anslinger is? We've got one hand, two hands. This is history that not a, not a lot of us know. But Harry Anslinger was the actually first chief of what became the DEA, which was the, uh, the uh, department or the bureau, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, okay? And they were in charge of regulating alcohol when alcohol was with prohibition and when we decided to tax it. Harry Anslinger, at first, didn't care very much about marijuana. He thought it was a really benign drug. But then when prohibition ended, there's a question about whether we really needed this Federal Bureau of Narcotics. So one of the things that he did to, you know, say, preserve his job, et cetera, was he looked at a new threat or a perceived threat and said, well, this marijuana stuff could be bad. We've got around one million people who immigrated from Mexico during the Civil War to the United States. There was a good amount of xenophobia and, frankly, racism during that time uh, that said, hey, these guys are smoking a lot of marijuana, and marijuana, therefore, should be pretty evil. And they made up three principal lies about marijuana, right? The first was they called it loco weed. They said, this is stuff that when people smoke it, they go insane. They go insane, they butcher their families, they kill police officers. This turns, just one cigarette can turn a good man into a bad man. And this was plastered all over the news, right? So that's one of the things with propaganda that they spread, that marijuana is extremely dangerous because it makes you friggin' crazy. What else did they say? There's great racist undertones to this. Harry Anslinger called this loco weed. Why do we call it marijuana instead of cannabis? Because marijuana sounds foreign. 
where cannabis or hemp have been used in our lexicon for decades and eons. So marijuana sounded foreign. This is something from away. This is from Maria and Juana, which is one of the, you know, quote unquote, places that marijuana, that term is supposed to come from. And one of the biggest risks when he stood in front of Congress, Harry Anslinger said, the biggest risk about marijuana is it makes darkies think that they're equal to white people. Holy crap, right? You got to remember, this is back in Jim Crow. This is a different age. And Caucasian Americans, xenophobia, racism ruled the day. So if a black man or a Mexican man thought that he was equal to a white man, this was a dangerous drug. And the perverse, he quote, the perverse effects that this drug has on the inferior subjugate races. Wow. Right? The last thing that he said, besides the racist undertones, and besides the, uh, besides the uh, you know, fact that it made people crazy and degenerate, was that it made white women have sex with anyone, made people act crazy. And again, this is prohibition times, right? These are, we're a Protestant nation with pretty conservative values, and this was a bad thing. So, this culminated in the 1937 in the Marijuana Tax Act. Because this was still a drug. You guys as doctors and pharmacists were still prescribing this for a variety of different things. But this act sought to make it illegal in every state, and then it sought to do something that every medical provider hates. One, add a bunch of paperwork to what you do, and then add a bunch of taxes to what you do. Because it would tax you for being a prescriber of marijuana. Now, when they came up with this act, guess who opposed it? The AMA, right? The AMA, the big house of medicine, actually opposed it. That gentleman in the corner, Dr. Woodward, came out and said, what the heck are you guys talking about? All those things you talked about aren't the experience that we've had with marijuana. They got a board of 34 pharmacists together, and 33 of 34 said, hey, this stuff shouldn't be illegal. In fact, we use this all the time in medicine to treat people with illness. That was brushed over. The Marijuana Tax Act passed, right? The first person arrested was the guy on the left. He actually became the first arrest of medical marijuana in the year was passed of 1937. His name was Samuel Caldwell. Yeah. So this begins a very a time where medical marijuana leaves, leaves medicine. One of our drugs that we use most often leaves medicine altogether because it was taxed too much. And in 1948, it leaves the U.S. pharmacopoeia. It disappears. So marijuana is not heard from for a while. Maybe in the 60s, some hippies smoke it, etc. But in terms of a legislative drug, it's not part of medicine. 1970. So 1937 is the first date you should know about. 1970 is the next. And we get to all our R's, right? And there's three R's that you should know about. The first one, who is that? That's Richard Nixon, right? And Richard Nixon, one of the big things he wants to do is a war on drunks. So he comes out with what's called the Controlled Substances Act. This is where we get Schedule One through Schedule Five drugs in the Controlled Substances Act, okay? The next guy who's in the middle is, uh, is another guy called Raymond Edberg. Raymond is a physician. He was actually the physician to MacArthur, and when they started coming out in 1970 with this bill, the Controlled Substances Act, they asked him, what should we schedule marijuana as? 
And what he said was, why don't we schedule it as a schedule one drug? But we know that we've got a big study going out, and if we need to reschedule it, we can. Who was the person doing the big study? That's the last guy at the end, Schaefer, right? And he was actually the governor of Pennsylvania, and he had the Schaefer Committee, which studied marijuana over the course of years. And in 1972, the Schaefer Report came out. And what did the Schaefer Report say? The Schaefer Report said this should not be scheduled at all. In fact, this should be deregulated and almost treated like alcohol, because this does not make people crazy, right? It doesn't. It doesn't make them go kill their families. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you know, make people act in a sexually promiscuous way. Okay, and really, this is not as bad a drug as we think it is. And of course, that. Because there was a war on drugs, Richard Nixon took that and said, "You know what? Thank you for your, all your work. We're not doing anything. This is going to remain a Schedule One drug." Now, why does Schedule One matter? Schedule One matters because you can't study a Schedule One drug. You just can't, right? This is something that has zero medical merit, absolutely none, right? Schedule Two means it's dangerous, but hey, this can help people. For example, all our opioids, most of them except for heroin, are Schedule II drugs. We know they're dangerous. We know people overdose. We know people get addicted. But heck, they're one of the things that we go to when people are in pain. Marijuana is Schedule I. Means we can't study it. Means there's no medical merit. So, between 1970 and the 1990s, there's a few things that happen. Right? First is the guy on the left, which is an Israeli pharmacist. Okay?、Um, his name is Dr. Mekulam. Actually, discovers in 1990, sorry, 1964, that there's THC. There's an actual compound in marijuana that's the active compound that most that get most people their effects. It took to 1964 to discover that, and it had to be done overseas, right? Not in the United States. The next thing that happened was the guy in the middle,、uh, Randall, Mr. Randall, right? Became our first medical marijuana patient. He was arrested for using marijuana. He said, "Listen, this is something I have to use because I have severe glaucoma." And the, law, the courts actually found it legal that he used medical marijuana. And he started getting marijuana actually from the states, from the National Institute of Drug,、uh, from NIDA. They actually sent him marijuana to use for his for his、uh, glaucoma. So he became our first medical marijuana patient in 1976. That ruling was afterwards reversed, by the way, by the Supreme Court. But still, he set the precedent of marijuana, even outside of federal law, was used for patient care. And then finally, in the 1980s, we had a few huge epidemics. One of them was HIV/AIDS, right? And this was a terrible epidemic. Lots of people died, and died in horrific ways, including AIDS wasting. And Marinol came out, which is synthetic THC. And it was actually approved for two things: one was AIDS wasting to stimulate appetite, and the second was with cancer and chemotherapy to use it for nausea and vomiting, which was、uh, which could not be controlled by regular medicines. Between that time and now, we've had this big boom where the legislature has been much further ahead of medicine in terms of what it thinks about marijuana. The legislature in 1999, 1996 in California said, "You know what? We're going to approve medical marijuana." 
I know it's Schedule 1, but we're going to approve it in the state of California. Here in Colorado, we did the same in 2000. And then we were the first state in 2012 to approve recreational marijuana. Since that time, since 1996 to today, 29 different states have legalized medical marijuana and eight states have legalized recreational marijuana. Still, we cannot study it in medicine because it's Schedule One. Now, is it good, is it bad? That's, you know, people kind of think in these binary ways. Is, is marijuana a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should we be using it in medicine or should we not? Well, heck, like any drug, it's much more complicated than that. And for a lot of these, we just don't have good studies. If you go to PubMed and you actually Google marijuana and medical marijuana, most of them simply talk about incidents of use and abuse. It doesn't talk a lot as much about how these drugs can be used or the side effects that they have. So these two things talk about what we actually do know. One, it's, it can decrease intraocular pressure. It's useful in glaucoma. Two, it's useful in nausea and vomiting. Three, appetite. It increases appetite in people who are on chemotherapy and going through uh, or with AIDS wasting. Four, pain. There's some use of chronic, with chronic pain. And in Europe, they actually have this drug that they use for multiple sclerosis type pain and neuropathic pain. That's right now being considered by the DEA. Interesting facts about opioid use and suicide rate. Opioid use in states that have legalized medical marijuana have a lower rate of opioid misuse, a lower rate of opioid overdose, and a lower rate of opioid abuse. Kind of interesting considering the um, you know, opioid epidemic in which we are currently embroiled. Suicide rate. There's an interesting study that says suicide rate in places with medical marijuana, which is approved, is lower than states that are not. Again, there's a lot of confounders. I'm just telling you what the current science about this is. Seizure disorder. There's actually a new, new study in the New England Medical Journal with uh, children with severe types of seizure disorders that state that kind of, uh, CBD oils actually help decrease their seizure risk. So there's now some actually randomized control studies that say that, yes, CBD oil may be good in some types of seizures. PTSD. Colorado actually just recently approved marijuana, medical marijuana for PTSD. The evidence is kind of mixed about that, but it's out there. Anti-inflammatory effects, question mark, whether this can be potentially used for things like Crohn's disease, uh, for things like rheumatoid arthritis, something that again needs to be studied. On the other side, when people say marijuana is bad and we should continue to keep it schedule one, here are some of the arguments. One, addiction. Marijuana is addictive. Around 9% of people who start using marijuana recreationally start abusing marijuana, uh, according to the DSM-5 kind of criteria for abuse. Abnormal brain development, IQ and memory. And these two things come in really when you talk about kids or people who are less than the age of 25 who use marijuana on a developing brain. Because we know that there's tons of THC receptors. Marijuana is extremely important when it comes to memory when it becomes to cognitive processes. And this has been shown in some studies, again, not great studies, that using marijuana at a young age can decrease your IQ. Mental illness. There's a charge that using marijuana early can actually decrease the amount of times that it takes for you to develop schizophrenia. Now, it says that doesn't cause you to have schizophrenia, just makes your symptoms appear more early. Again, kind of crappy studies, but that's, that's out there and that's a charge. Stroke and MI risk. 
We know that this is stimulant. We know that people who use too much marijuana get tachycardia. And in the acute use where they're intoxicated on it, it does slightly increase your risk of stroke and MI. Chronic bronchitis, and then, of course, the thing that we see, and we kind of the worst thing we see in our emergency departments is a child who's eaten a candy bar of marijuana, THC, and they've overdosed, they need to be intubated, they need to be resuscitated because they get sick as crap. Okay? So that's on the negative risk. So, wow, that's a lot to take in. So what are we going to try to do tonight? First of all, the first thing I want all of you to do is approach this subject with an open mind. We're going to talk about some of the dangers of marijuana. We're going to talk about some of the good parts of marijuana and have some personal experiences by doctors who prescribe it, by patients who use it. And I want you to just listen to everyone's story, to not form an opinion until you've heard all the facts and then to approach that opinion without judgment. 